This is Geeks and Jacks. And welcome back to Geeks and Jacks episode 91. This is Ryan Sullivan recording November 23rd, 2021. Thank you for listening in. Before getting to this episode, this podcast is on Anchor.fm. You can also find us on Spotify, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, and Breaker. So head on down to those websites, search for Geeks and Jocks. Lots of content awaits you. Plenty of it. So, not a whole lot to really discuss. Um, Talk about... Talk about the movies, how they performed this weekend. Uh, talk about the NFL, a little NBA, MLB. Uh, but the main title for this episode, Console Buyer's Guide 2021. So the last three years um, since this podcast began, uh, one of the things that I've done is a Console Buyer's Guide since... We're heading on our way towards the uh, holiday season. People will want to try and find maybe the latest game console or one that's selling pretty well. And over the last few years, uh, it's dwindled down to about five consoles now. No handhelds anymore following the discontinuation of the... uh, Nintendo 3DS, and actually, uh, no more uh, games out of the PlayStation 3. (laughs) I did get one game uh, last year, Shakedown uh, Hawaii, which was on, like, PS Vita and uh, PlayStation 4 and PS5. (laughs) Anyway, um... So five consoles uh, out on the market still, and plenty of games for the most part. So begin with the um, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, and the thing that I'll mention uh, right away is good luck finding these at any stores or anything of that matter. I'm not sure... How I mean, if you're looking for something like new in the box, it'll be tough. Used, I'm not sure. Maybe it might be a little easier, but I digress. I mean, I've seen I've seen a couple used uh, PlayStation Fours at uh, GameStop uh, lately within the last few weeks. So I think they're starting to pick up some of the uh, used systems again. As we are continuing through the uh, pandemic. Uh, yeah, uh, I've seen seen a couple Xbox uh, Xbox Ones. Uh, I think I saw an Xbox One X about a week ago. I think I saw, I think I saw another one uh, yesterday. So, a little bit discounted for from their original price tags, but still not not the hugest discounts, about I don't know what the right word is, about 
five percent. I think that's the best way I could say that. So it's uh, three hundred bucks for uh, a PS4 or an Xbox One uh, S. I think four hundred or five hundred for the uh, Xbox One X. Now, it'll still be pretty easy to find games for both those systems since uh, plenty of stores will still have uh, a dedicated section for each system's games. Um, There's also sections in stores where they might be on discount, typically for about 20 bucks or so, maybe $13, $15. So you can still amass a a decent library all things considered uh, with some of the discount stuff and it's not just it's not just scraps you know games that that no one picks up or anything there's some decent stuff there you might get say Mortal Kombat uh, XL the uh, the whole definitive edition of Mortal Kombat 10. For example, you can get your hands on the Need for Speed games that are that are on both systems. You get Sonic Mania still, you know, for twenty bucks. So yeah, it, it's still easy to um, get your hands on on titles at the at the major stores. Uh, I I think you might have a better chance at a GameStop though, but I digress. I mean, your mileage will uh, vary based on that. At this point, I'm curious to see if uh, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One will still be having systems in stores. Otherwise, the best bet probably is to... uh, get them either online through the stores that you go to or uh, getting one used I think I think at this point maybe better chance to find one used but if you want to go the route of getting one new if they are still selling them new look online I'm, I'm sure you can be able to find one without being scalped or anything like that, which goes into really the biggest problem with with the Nintendo Switch, PlayStation Five, and the uh, Xbox Series of X and S. Now, the one thing I'll mention out of those three, you'll have an easier chance to find the uh, Switch. Like, I'm not kidding. Really, for the good part of the year, you're able. I've been able to see in stores switches, uh, both the original model and the Switch Lite, the the handheld only version of it. And it's, I mean, it's still three hundred dollars for the regular and uh, two hundred for the light. I don't think I've seen an OLED version of it, which is 350. I'm not sure it's worth that type of price. Really, not sure. 
definitely, if you're looking to get a Switch, yeah, definitely have definitely have a crap ton of money because a lot of the games um, don't really get the discount treatment similar to uh, PlayStation and Xbox. So if you're looking for, say, uh, Super Mario Odyssey, a game that's been on the market for four years, it's still $50, $60. Breath of the Wild, the Zelda game, you know, probably still 50 or $60. It, it's hard to be recommending that type of stuff. And even some of the games that get ported over, it, it's hard to put a good recommendation on what is a good title for the system or not. But still, there's one thing that, there's one aspect that all three manufacturers have is their digital storefronts. You're able to get your hands on some decent stuff if, if you wait at the right time. Really, you do. And I think for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, they still have at least two more years worth of doing huge discounts for their for their games. And I think after 2023, the sales will start to dwindle in terms of what games are getting discounted, and it could come down to the point where, uh, you know, maybe by 2024, if if I'm I'm just estimating, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure on what will happen, but I could look at it similar to the uh, PlayStation Three a little bit discounts going until about 2018 for PS3, and very very rarely were there other times until really March of 2020 so it, it I could see within that time frame you know 2024 2025 maybe there's not as many uh, sales for uh, games for the PS4 and Xbox one but yeah um, switch will definitely still get a fair share of discounted stuff, though you're probably getting a better chance at buying some of the uh, some of the digital stuff that nobody knows about, or a decent discount for games such as such as the arcade archive stuff. Being able to play Donkey Kong, the original version, is actually pretty special. The fact that it's complete, no no cut levels, no, no, no changes or anything. It's the full arcade experience, only that you're playing on a Switch controller. <laughs> but yeah, it'll be easier to find a Switch in a store, though you can still try and find one, uh, Online, as I said, uh, mileage will uh, vary. Some, some, depending on where you live, you might be able to get get a system easily. Sometimes you might not. Stores are trying to uh, stock uh, PlayStation Five and Xbox Series 
as the holiday season gets closer. And I'm not sure if if the supply will meet the demand hugely. And that's why there's been many scalpings of PlayStation 5 and, and Xbox. There's just been that many. So, yeah, don't don't fall prey to systems that cost 600, 700, 800 bucks. Your your money pay the regular retail price. Pay 300, 400 or 500 dollars depending on the model. It'll save you a lot of heartache if you uh, if you don't uh, buy buy to to the scalpers, it, you you want to hurt these scalpers. Do not buy from them. <laughs> um, it is it easy to find a PlayStation Five or an Xbox? You might ask. Well, I've seen some Xbox Series systems actually, and in my time of the last year or so since. I've yet to see PS5s or Xbox Series, and it was the until um, about a week ago seeing a uh, Xbox Series S, the disc, the no disc uh, system, and it was about two eighty, which not a bad price, but still. This is just me personally, but even though discs are kind of paperweights now, I still would want discs just so down the road I can play. Uh, I can play the games, at least some of them, even if it's just one point zero zero in twenty years' time. I'm still going to have a blast playing some of these games. And that's actually something that I wouldn't mind talking at some point. Um, PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. And actually, I probably would talk about the Wii as well. Just because some of these games required updates, especially on PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. When those online servers shut down, what happens? You're left with the original version or the updated stuff if you if you updated the games that you wanted to get. I'll be very curious as to see what happens. And inevitably, it, the PS3 and 360 are going to have their servers shut down. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of how the fans will react. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, there's there's some titles you can find for PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series. It's only a matter of just finding the systems. Not a lot of titles, but that's the case of any system in its first year. I'm sure we'll find more as time goes on, whether it's, uh, you know, Ratchet and Clank or Microsoft getting an exclusive Bethesda game. 
yeah, it's not a lot to discuss with with this year's console buying. It's it's still a weird time, especially with the pandemic. It's hard to find a number of these in stores. Where to find stuff? I mean, still find them at your local retail stores. Find them at GameStops. Find them. You might be able to get some some discounted at, at a used game store. Uh, just as a quick note, uh, you can still find. Again, it depends on where you live, but I still see copies of GTA Five for the for the Xbox 360. Like I'm not even kidding. I still find copies of that at a, at a Walmart, and there's about a handful of copies, which is which is weird to discuss about. <laughs> but yeah, um, there's probably will still be a couple 360 games that you can still get for the uh, Xbox One um, in the in the Xbox One cases. Couple, not all. Though it is, though it has been dwindling over the course of the last couple of years. But yeah, console buyers guide 2021. Not a whole lot to uh, to talk about because, like, like I said, weird time right now, and you know, just this might be the last really big generation for this type of stuff. I'm not even kidding. It'll be interesting to see if. Uh, if PlayStation or Xbox make a new console in, I'd say, 2026, 2027, Nintendo is still going to have to ride on the Switch uh, for the next few years, just even uh, just even uh, hold the tide until they get a new system out. And I think people have been wanting like a better Switch to run games better, and it's, some people are pleased, some people are not. But definitely, we'll get get a couple more years of support until they make a new console. The only question is, what route do they go? I think you got to go with this hybrid stuff again because I don't see them making a dedicated uh, handheld system again. I don't see it happening. And the only other gaming stuff that I've noticed is uh, more controversy over at uh, Activision Blizzard with uh, Bobby Kotick, their CEO. And the situation there, it it started with um, stuff about California, the feds, the government intervening in investigating, you know, harassment and a story of a uh, of a woman who who committed suicide after one of the guys at Blizzard, one of the higher ups, I believe, according to the story, uh, brought like like a butt plug and a and lube on like a trip, and there's many other stuff stories of harassment and death. It's open up now about the CEO uh, Kodak with death threats, bring out death threats, harassment. So this just got probably more uglier than usual, and 
it's to where Microsoft is questioning the company as a whole and whether or not they want to have relations with with that developer. Now, I'm not sure if that means Activision altogether or just that side of the company, but probably, but probably just the developer, if I had to assume. But yeah, it's just hugely disgusting, and you know when you have a CEO that acts like that, I mean it gets gets hidden, all things considered, um, until something leaks or someone's like a whistleblower and it exposes a company for what they are. Uh, definitely will need to do a lot of cleaning up, or the or the people actually commit to walking out and not not doing their jobs I'm sure you risk you risk not making games and making money but for a situation as vile and toxic as that is eh, I'm not sure anyone would want to work there but that's just my guess so moving on this Thanksgiving will be interesting, especially with some of the performances of the box office. And leading the way was Ghostbusters Afterlife. So this is a movie that was supposed to come out, I believe, last fall. And it got pushed back a few times because of COVID. And Sony has finally got it out. So this is... Definitely a highly anticipated film uh, due to the fact that Jason Reitman is has directed it. And for those wondering, he is the son of Ivan Reitman who directed the first two Ghostbuster films. Very recognized for the 80s and 90s uh, for whether it's Stripes or uh, Meatballs. Of course, the Ghostbuster films. He, he's the guy responsible for um, Arnold Schwarzenegger being in comedies due to uh, Twins and Kindergarten Cop, for example. Two movies that Ivan directed. But uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, it's a continuation of the first two films. And it did really well, all things considered, making about $44 million according to uh, BoxOfficeMojo.com. Uh, and it's it's a movie, for the most part, that exceeded expectations due to the fact that it, it's hard to gauge whether or not people will want to see a new Ghostbusters film or not. And the numbers... Are pretty good, 44 million directly. Though there's probably a little, little overlap there. But yeah, 44 million. Not as well received compared to the other films, but I think this is going to have some strong legs if, if the numbers are any indication. And it's it's something the fans have wanted for the last 30 years and more so in the last five after the uh, female version, female reboot that came out was a financial disaster. Did pretty well in theaters domestically, but the budget 
killed them. I believe it was to where Sony lost like tens of millions on that film. And I believe the budget was about $75 million. I'm actually going to look at that for a minute because I want to see if those numbers are definitely real. Alright, Afterlife budget. Let's take a look. Yeah, Forbes. Um, yeah, $75 million according to Forbes.com. So, it'll definitely make a little bit of money. It definitely will avoid the issue that the uh, female version did and needed to spend all this money on on uh, all the special effects and all this other stuff. So seventy five million. I mean, that's that's really good. And for Sony, they're they're not being cheap, but they're not going the all expensive route. And that's something that's helped them a little bit uh, with that Venom movie that came out uh, about a month ago. They're avoiding they're avoiding the issues that some other studios have. And I'll go with the number two film for a minute uh, after talking about this. It, the the point of Ghostbusters is the, you know this the the wacky situations they find themselves in, and and just creating humor throughout it. It's not, it's not always about being jokey or gags or anything. It's it's about it's about the characters. It's about the type of ghosts they go after and stuff that blends its way into that combo of story and comedy. Though I'd be curious to see how much comedy there are there is for this film because. The trailers put it up as a as kind of a serious film, but I I would think people would be very confident in uh, Jason Reitman. I think the direction that they went with it and the fact that it didn't cost a freaking fortune will definitely ensure that if he does make another movie in this series, it will definitely meet the expectations of fans. Yeah, similar to... I'm, I'm trying... Like, this is, granted, a different property, but look at what uh, it's been done with the Creed films. Uh, it's... They create this new type of storyline, a new generation uh, of boxing with... with Adonis Creed, uh, the son of Apollo... And the help of Rocky and many other things. And that's why there's going to be a new Creed sequel around Thanksgiving, I believe, next year. You know, people want people want to see the continuation of a franchise. You know, but they want to see what it will be for like a new generation of, of people. And this is what people wanted out of uh, Ghostbusters. They wanted to see... They wanted to see a a new generation of people and to continue the franchise to a different level. So it's definitely revived for the most for for right now. It's definitely revived uh, 
the Ghostbusters name a bit, and I took a look on on an on an, an inflation ca- calculator, and seventy five million. That's pretty good, all things considered, because the first movie cost thirty million in nineteen eighty four. The equivalency of that today would be seventy nine million. So actually, it'd be a bit cheaper. <laughs> If it were 1984 money, probably be about probably 27, 28 million. But yeah, it, it, it this should have decent legs, and it should be should be dominating at the box office again uh, for Thanksgiving. Should do should do well for Thanksgiving. Uh, number two for the weekend was Eternals. So I think it's safe to say this movie is not going to do well. I think it's safe to say it it uh it flopped. It'll it'll flop greatly. So basically, all things considered, 135 million uh, domestically, just over 200 million internationally. A little over 336 million. It made about 11 million this weekend here in the states. So it's dropped. So it's dropped significantly, and this movie probably needed to make, if I had to assume, probably over 500 million just to even make a small profit. And I'm not sure that even gets to that number due to some of the inclusionary parts that they wanted uh, for this film. And not to mention uh, its director, Chloe Zhao, uh, and her relations with uh, China. I believe I mentioned this a while ago in another episode. Her her, her thoughts on China are probably why... Uh, the movie will probably not be shown in that region. But maybe it's just also the fact that it just doesn't, this movie also doesn't have the staying power of Shang-Chi. And Shang-Chi, I mean, it got a little controversy from being called an experiment and people wanted to stick it to Bob Eager, uh, the guy running Disney, and say, hey, this is why we watch these movies in the theater. I mean, it fent- Actually, it pissed off the uh, the main lead for Shang Chi, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, it it really did big numbers and had good legs for a good couple of weeks after it came out. Not the case here with Eternals, not the case at all. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog. Uh, didn't hasn't done all that great. I I hope this movie wasn't produced uh, on a on a huge budget, but I have a feeling it is. I, I got I, I got this feeling that it probably cost them. Um, Clifford, the the big red dog budget I'll be surprised 
Okay, that's actually not as bad as I thought. 64 million. I was expecting something north of... North of 80 million. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. I'm just trying to find maybe some other stuff. Now, I'm not sure how this will do internationally, but... That's... That's still not... That's still not horrible. I like to see what it does for Thanksgiving as well. See if it performs similar numbers like it did over the weekend. And the new film, King Richard, which is the story of the Williams sisters and their father, played by Will Smith, 5.4 million. So this is a movie that you know, drama and all that. <coughs> now, 5.4 million is disappointing. And the other thing that probably hurt it is being on HBO Max. So that probably cut a little bit into its weekend numbers. Now, could this movie do decent over Thanksgiving weekend? I don't have the I don't have a direct answer. But I think it could do similar numbers. But it all depends on how many people are actually interested in it. Because tennis is definitely a like sport. I'm just not sure it has the staying power of something such as football or even baseball or basketball or even hockey. That's just my take on the whole thing. I mean, it's doing it's doing real well critically. So, actually, I'm gonna take a look at that for a minute. See if uh, well received. This is the type of film that they probably were thinking to bank on during the uh, and even mentioned in Box Office Mojo award season. So, I mean, it's focusing on the, uh, it, it probably focusing on why the dad was such a pivotal part. I mean, there was something, there was like a documentary that came out about a couple of years ago mentioning, you know, being in some of the badder neighborhoods and practicing, working to be really good at tennis. Actually, I think I saw something just now that that, that the Williams sisters were executive producers. So they they kept what they they wanted to make the film the way they wanted it to be. Maybe it's a way of paying tribute to their father, and that's I'm just guessing, but. I just, but there's just probably not a huge audience for tennis films. Look at the Battle of the Sexes film that came out uh, four years ago. Not really a huge. That wasn't a huge hit at all. It was a smaller base film actually, from Fox Searchlight, if I'm not mistaken. This is a full fledged release from Warner Brothers. And rounding out the top five is. Uh, Dune. 
Dune still still holding on and should reach a hundred million uh, over the weekend. If I if I had to assume, should still do uh, decent numbers. Three hundred sixty-five million worldwide. Definitely could have a good chance of getting a sequel down the road. So I'm going to take a look at what films are getting uh, released over the weekend because not a whole lot to... uh, Actually, some of these are going to get some wide releases right now, beginning tomorrow. Uh, House of Gucci, Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, and Encanto. So I'd be curious to see the direction that Resident Evil goes, considering none of the movies were well-received critically, but they all made a decent amount of money from from what they were able to do. And, yeah. Depending on how well it adapts, I mean, it could have a good chance of uh, doing pretty well critically. Commercially, I'm not sure, but if the fans are there to to watch it, they'll definitely they'll definitely make it a hit. There's been some big hits for video game movies in recent memory within the last two three years, and they've done they've done pretty good numbers, all things considered. Let's see, we got the uh, Gucci Gucci family. Looks like a looks like a mob film. Yeah. I'm not sure people will be interested in a mop film, but... Eh. Stranger things do happen. And in Canto, I've started to see commercials for it. It's... It, it has, a, has a look similar to the Moana film that came out. That was five years ago. Holy crap, I believe. Moana was 2016. So, it kind of looks like a spiritual sequel, in a way. But probably no rock or anything to lead the way. Definitely definitely will need a lot of luck just to even do well over the weekend. That's just my guess. And these movies, I think Encanto will probably lead the way for the new films. Resident Evil, I don't know. It, it, if... If the fans are going to see it in in droves, should do decent. The other stuff, House of Gucci, I don't know. And this is, yeah. Um, the only other thing I'll talk about is how much we relate to the holiday season and when things get really crazy and it's just funny looking back uh, just mentioning with the Ghostbusters stuff and Ivan Reitman with Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, Schwarzenegger's film Jingle All the Way this month turned uh, 25 and I think I think it would make a good case of a study film of the holiday season because it it is it is such a crazy film. It is over the top. It has a lot of slapstick, a lot of dumb moments. It's not a, it's not a, it's not, it's not the best Christmas film by any, by any stretch of the imagination. It's not that great, but it, 
has a lot of ridiculous moments that you that you'll be laughing your butt off, such as getting in a fight with a bunch of Santa Clauses and the whole Turbo Man thing, <clears throat> and the whole thing about it is just the whole holiday craze. You know, talking about game consoles and all the scalping and all that. The the just the huge demands. That's I mean that's why I'm that's that's the thing I just bring up just all things considered. It's I think it's more relatable today, even though we have digital storefronts and online retail. Like the difficulty of trying to find that gift during the holidays, especially if it's around Christmas Eve. Especially during those last few days, they're probably going to be sold out. Even if you find one digitally, what's the chance? What's the chance you're going to get it right on Christmas? Probably slim to none. But yeah, I mean, just crazy to think about how that was. That was essentially, especially with the Turbo Man stuff. It, it it's it looks like a cheesy combination of Ultraman meets Power Rangers. And Power Rangers was definitely huge when this... It was the hugest thing circa 1995 when, when the movie was being filmed. Just the, the whole greed and gluttony of getting the hottest product, hottest toy. I mean... And I think that combined with the ridiculous nature of... Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's probably why the film. That's probably why the film still gets repeats. And the fact that it's still going to get repeats uh, this this year and many years in the past. <clears throat> so more uh, last thing I'll do for films. More uh, more stuff coming out from that Rust film. So, Rust Lawsuit. So, a script supervisor for the film, Mamie Mitchell, this is according to WGAL.com, uh, probably one of the local places, against uh, actor and producer Alec Baldwin and other production figures over the on-set shooting that killed the film cinematographer. She was going to play Russian roulette. So basically, this, this person, Mamie Mitchell, is accusing Baldwin of, quote, this is this is according to the article, quote, the lawsuit which was filed in Los Angeles accuses Baldwin of choosing to play Russian roulette when he fired a gun without checking it and without having the armor checking it in his presence. Mitchell's attorney, Gloria Allred, said Wednesday during a news conference announcing the lawsuit. Yeah. So this was so this is about a month ago when Baldwin fired a gun and it killed Helena Hutchins, the cinematographer, and it hurt and injured the director Joel Souza. Baldwin saying he didn't know there was live rounds in it. Russ Movie Productions is getting sued. Uh the armor, Hannah Gutierrez, who I believe she's only twenty four David Hall is the assistant director who I think I mentioned it in a, in an episode within the last month. 
about him working on other films and the irony being he worked on the Crow sequel because the original Crow had a tragedy with um, a live round or a dummy round that killed uh, Brandon Lee. And, quote, Allred said the film's production team failed to follow industry procedures, creating an environment where injury and death was more than a possibility. It was a likely result, unquote. Yeah, this is, I mean, even within that first week of the story popping up, stories of the uh, production crew leaving the set because of how dangerous the production is. And you have to wonder if Baldwin tried to cut corners in some areas, and especially with it being his own production company. I mean, you gotta... I mean, yeah, there's plenty of movies that cut corners, but when you're doing a, a Western that involves a lot of shooting and all that, or anything that involves a lot of shooting on a daily basis for a TV show or anything, you have to... You can't just cut corners. You have to focus on the safety, and that's one of the biggest things about the International Association of Theater Stage Employees, the IATSE. They almost went on strike prior to this incident happening because they wanted better working conditions, better work hours, and making sure there was a lot of safety and I said this in one of these episodes of the last month. You can understand why they almost went on strike and why they probably would be upset at this. But yeah. Allowing the gun to be left unattended during a lunch break on a rolling cart. Uh, made it... It's just... This is not going to. This is not going to work. And I've seen some people go like, "Oh, she's just being greedy." Let me tell you something. The stories that were told about within that first week of the incident happening, uh, the the gun had been discharged a couple times, and I'm sure it created a lot of fear for not just the script supervisor, but a lot of the people on set. That's just. Uh, so here's, here's more out of this, uh, according to the article. Quote, Mitchell's lawsuit follows a similar one filed last week by Russ's chief lighting technician, Serge Svetnoy, who sued Baldwin, Halls, Gutierrez-Reed, and other defendants for negligence that caused him severe emotional distress. No one wants to, unquote, no one wants to go to a movie set thinking that it's going to be their last day there. Nobody assumes that. But if this production was having so many issues, I mean, it, it, it's bad enough to be stressed out over a gun being discharged by accident twice. But when that third time happens and it kills someone, it's going to affect people. It's this ain't no this ain't no laughing matter. It's no laughing matter. Seriously. I don't think Baldwin's company survives. And I'm not sure... I'm sure he'll find some acting roles here and there. But unless he unless he really goes to jail or anything of that matter. But, yeah, I, I don't see this being... I don't think there's anything good that will come out of the, the lawsuits. And honestly... 
Baldwin will definitely have to find ways to redeem himself, though that'd be hard to <laughs> to do because of how despicable he is as a human. Yeah, so that's movies for you. <laughs> that, that's no laughing matter. Sorry, I apologize. Um, definitely uh, TV. If you're under, if you're into the news, I mean, the big thing was the uh, Kyle Rittenhouse thing. Uh, he basically was getting chased and shot shot two or three guys and I think one or two of them died and it, it's interesting because the, the, the media tried to uh, make him out as uh, this really big bad guy even though he's just a teenager going to a riot to to make things look a bit better, clean graffiti and make sure people are okay and give medical assistance. It's amazing just how much like MSNBC. It, it, I find it glorious just how pissed MSNBC is and uh, and uh, CNN are about this. And actually, uh, the judge for this uh, case, Bruce Schroeder actually had to ban MSNBC from the courtroom because of one of their... I'm not sure how true it is or not, but uh, a freelance guy for MSNBC following the jury bus. And obviously that... It it almost feels like something that's, I don't know, obstruction of justice. I don't know. I'm I'm not a legal expert by any means, the imagination. But... I'm sure this was definitely some big ratings for all three networks, MSNBC, CNN, and Fox News. Uh, not guilty uh, the, was the verdict for, for Rittenhouse. And it just seemed like it was just a huge, huge shit show with the way the prosecutor was acting and trying... It sounded like he just ruined his case the moment it started to, uh, it started to begin. With, with with the interviews with some of the victims and some of the people involved, especially with one that points a gun at Rittenhouse's head and he runs off, the whole self defense thing. Um, while definitely off the hook, definitely Rittenhouse should should know a, a little better, you know, of putting himself into a a riot even though he was it was for good intentions he should know the dangers of of going to a riot yeah, yeah. so that, i mean that's really the the big interesting thing for uh, tv over the last week or so but yeah so final things are going to be going to be sports Talk about the NFL. I mean, the AFC is just... Who gets to be in the playoffs? It all starts with the uh, last week's uh, game, New England and Atlanta. Four interceptions thrown by Atlanta. Three of their quarterbacks threw interceptions. So they join uh, a rather bad group of teams. The last one to do it was the... 
was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where the Chicago Bears picked off Craig Erickson, Steve DeBerg, and uh, Casey Weldon in September of 93. Definitely a good indicator that the New England defense is back. Mac Jones didn't have to do much, and neither did the run game. All things considered, first place in the league, uh, in the division, 7-4. Some are calling them a favorite to win the Super Bowl. I wouldn't go that far, but they definitely could win a playoff game. Atlanta, three points in two games. Very disappointing. Such a mess of a team right now, and they look like to be a decent favorite to be a wildcard team a few weeks ago. What is going on down in Georgia? I don't know. Four and six now. They have a long hill to climb. Long uphill battle. Buffalo Bills getting their butts kicked. Six and four now for the year, I believe. Losing to the Indianapolis Colts, who are six and five now for the year. Riding on Jonathan Taylor, 170 plus yards rushing, four touchdowns rushing, a couple passes, a little over what 20 plus yards, and a receiving touchdown. So it's basically the Taylor show. Some are calling him potential favorite to be MVP. Way he perform if he has more games like this. Definitely 1,100 yards rushing for the year, 13 touchdowns. Indy knew what they were doing when they drafted this guy, and he's been one of the big, big reasons that the Colts have bounced back quite a bit. Still, still a little bit of an uphill battle to, to get into a wild card spot, but they're still playing at an unbelievable level. I think they've won five in a row now, which is really good. But, yeah. And Carson Wentz didn't have to do much. The defense did its job. I mean, that's the big thing. Just going back to the run game just for a quick second. Look at what they've done since 94. They've had, for the most part, really good running backs. Whether it's a Marshall Falk or an Edgerin James or Joseph Adai his first few years. They've found ways to run the ball pretty well. They've had some stints where... Yeah, not a good year running, but they've gotten into true form again. And the fact that you got a guy that's similar to Falk and, and James. Buffalo, no run game. Number one defense, giving up 41 points. 41-15 was the final. Hugely embarrassing. If they find a way, if, if they got to find a way to do better. If they don't, it's probably going to be like the biggest disappointing season in recent memory for a team that was hyped up to be probably a favorite to go to the Super Bowl. Huge favorite, probably. Now that's dwindling down so fast, I wonder how pissed the Buffalo fans are right now. They got to be careful. Because the Miami Dolphins are sneaking up. 4-7 and seven now for the year. Winning against the uh, New York Jets. Tua Tagovailoa leading the way. A lot of questions. Seriously. And actually, 
three games in a row, they the momentum definitely shifting in their favor a little bit, but still huge, huge battle. The fact that they got their run game to do well, Tua having a good game himself, completing about eighty, a little over eighty percent of his passes. Everyone getting the ball. The Jets, on the other hand, Joe Flacco. Wow, Joe Flacco, who. Got back on the Jets a few weeks ago. Traded from Philadelphia. That's actually pretty good. Uh, two ninety-one and two scores. That's kind of a vin- kind of a vintage uh, type of Flacco game. Just couldn't couldn't win it all in the end. So I believe they're two and eight now for the year. Yikes. Well, the uh, North just gets more interesting every year. <laughs> every week. My apologies. Uh, Baltimore sneaks by with a win against Chicago, 16-13. and th- to 13. They're now 7-3 and three for the year, and this was a Lamar Jackson-less team. So that probably makes it even more sweeter, and just how strong the Baltimore defense is and has been for such a long, long time. Granted, Chicago, their offense with uh, Andy Dalton filling in for uh, Justin Fields after he got hurt in the game and just the inconsistency of the run game and everything in between should be a child's play, you would think, right? Well... I'm not sure, but a tight game altogether. And Chicago's got a really short week, considering they play Thanksgiving against the Detroit Lions. They've had some really good matchups against the Lions in recent memories. I mean, they're not doing horribly running the ball, just not, not the typical Chicago way. And the run game. Not as strong either in Baltimore, but they've done they did more than enough. And this Huntley guy had himself an okay game. Just for for backup standards, it's it's not horrible. Two nineteen, one pick, but still better than nothing. Seven and three Ravens, and I believe the Bears now are three and seven for the year. Um, listening to stuff about Fire Nagy, I think. Definitely, it sounds like Matt Nagy will be fired unless they unless he's still on a contract or something. Who knows? Uh, Cincinnati, huge bounce back win. They needed this win against the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, and they manhandled them. Joe Burrow didn't do too much. It was the running of Joe Mixon, and obviously the defense holding. Uh, the Raiders to 13 points only gave up one touchdown so they're they're getting back to form they are getting back they are getting back to form six and four Bengals second place now going from last place to uh, second and the Raiders all that momentum uh, after the bye has shifted down pretty badly um, the closest game they were in during this three-game losing streak was the Giant game and getting sacked in the end and losing the ball. Yeah. 
pretty bad. But yeah, um, Bengals still in the hunt. And actually, uh, Cleveland's still in the hunt a little bit, despite being in last place. Six wins for the year, uh, beating on the Detroit Lions 13-10. to Kind of a testament to... Uh, that of the narrative at times of Detroit doing enough in some games, but never getting that win. The run games did pretty well. Baker Mayfield is probably still battling that shoulder issue. Not the greatest game there, but this Boyle guy, 77 yards for Detroit, passing and two interceptions. DeAndre Swift... Not many carries, 14, but 136 yards and a score. This guy, it's hard to gauge how good the guy can be due to the inconsistencies. So 0-9-1 Detroit and Cleveland 6-5, and as I said. That, that tie for Pittsburgh definitely biting him in the butt a little bit right now. But a big rivalry game between them and uh, Cincinnati. Despite the fourth quarter, fourth quarter heroics, uh, Pittsburgh loses to the L- L.A. Chargers. Very tight game at, at, at the very end, forty-one uh, thirty-seven. Chargers six and four, Steelers five four and one. Justin Herbert, huge game. Austin Eckler, huge scoring game. Two touchdowns rushing, two touchdowns receiving. Uh, that defense definitely got a little leaky towards the end, but still a win is a win, and they'll need all the wins they can just to even stay afloat in the uh, AFC West or even in the wild card hunt. I believe they're, I believe they're the wild card. Actually, you know what? I wonder who does have the two wild card spots because you got three teams at six and four now with Cincinnati, Buffalo, and the Chargers. Huh. If you want upsets, uh, Houston Texans, they beat uh, beat the Tennessee Titans. So I believe they get, is this their third win of the year? One of the few bright spots of an otherwise bad season for the uh, Texans. Nope, their second one. Two and eight now for the year. The Titans are eight and three. The running of Tyrod Taylor. The offense didn't do squat, but two hundred two rushing touchdowns out of the group. Oh man, four interceptions. Yikes. Wow. Four interceptions from Ryan Tannehill. Definitely his worst performance as a quarterback in for the Titans over the last few years. Run game still not up to snuff. Something's up. That is that is dreadful. Hugely dreadful. Maybe it'll be a good uh, wake up call that hey, we're still needing to get these wins. We can't just slow down. Two and eight Texans, as I said. Eight and three uh, Titans. 
Still hold on to the lead quite well, but Indy could be creeping up. And of course, Jacksonville losing again. Man, uh, losing the 49ers, definitely 49ers building a huge momentum following their win against the uh, against the uh, Rams last week. And for Jimmy Garoppolo to have a decent game, Debo Samuel getting the ball quite a bit. Rushing-wise, he's done pretty well. George Kittle getting a touchdown, definitely a sign of good things to come. But it's too little, too late. Defense doing its job a little bit. Uh, not so much the turnovers, but definitely making sure the run game didn't do anything. And the Agnew guy uh, for Jacksonville out for the rest of the year. Curious to see uh, what his what his injury is. Here we go. Uh, where is it? Like, where is it? Let's see. Is there a injury? Where is it? Okay, it's not saying anything. Alright. Hmm. Eh, oh well. It's, they're not saying anything. At least I'll have to look further. But, yeah. And in the West, uh, I believe Denver was off this week. Uh, Kansas City with a kind of a kind of an ugly win, nineteen to nine against Dallas. They picked off Dak Prescott a couple times and actually reduced the run game to shambles. They're getting back into form uh, somewhat, but they still have a good ways to go. Uh, Kansas City. 7-4 team now, first place in the division. Dallas 7-3 now for the year. Uh, Dallas will definitely have to worry about um, Philadelphia and Washington. Philadelphia with a big win against the uh, New Orleans Saints. Saints definitely railing a little bit. 5-5 five five for the year. Philly at 5-6 and six for the year. Trevor Simeon, if you get rid of the interceptions, he didn't have too horrible of a game, but those picks are costly. Ran the ball decently, uh, New Orleans. Keep an eye on the run game for uh, for Philadelphia. Miles Sanders had a huge game. Jalen Hurts had the touchdowns, but three, three Eagles with 60-plus yards rushing. Jordan Howard, Jalen Hurts, and Miles Sanders. Tell you what, I mean, if that's that's a way of trying to get into the wild card spot, that's something they'll have to keep doing. Though that defense did get a little leaky, giving up a lot of points late in the game. Man, I don't know what's going on with the NFC South. I really don't. It's just, what's going on? No one wants to win their division? <laughs> Or we get at least a wild card spot. Uh, Washington 
beating the uh, Panthers. Five and six now for the year. Uh, Carolina, Washington, four and six. Taylor Heineke had a huge game. Antonio Gibson was able to run the ball. Cam Newton getting back in the form. Counted for all three of the Panthers' touchdowns. And one of which was to uh, throwing it to McCaffrey. Man, this is kind of like 2018 type stuff. <laughs> I digress. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're in the hunt a little bit. Uh, Washington. Actually, Carolina could be too, but who knows what happens next. And uh, New York, lose, the Giants losing to uh, the Bucks. Bucks 7-3 now for the year. New York 3-7. and seven. Mike Evans, uh, now the franchise's touchdown leader for the franchise. 72, surpassing uh, Mike Allstott, tied at 71. Definitely getting back into form somewhat, the... Uh, the Bucks and just defensively, I mean, they did a respectable job. I mean, I don't know what else you can really say for Tampa. I mean, they, sometimes those those losses they find ways to fight back. Minnesota with a huge win over uh, over Green Bay, very tightly competitive. Running the ball, throwing the ball, making the plays when necessary on defense. Aaron Rodgers had a huge game, four touchdowns, no picks. But the reports of him having really bad toe pain, and I don't blame him. When you have a toe issue and you're trying to plant your feet as a QB, I can't imagine the amount of excruciating pain to go through. Minnesota inching their way closer. Feels kind of similar to last year a little bit. If I'm if I'm not if I'm if I'm being honest, huge game uh, for them as they face the 49ers, uh, the Vikes. Eight and three Packers, five and five uh, Vikings. And Arizona, last game I'll bring up Arizona and uh, Seattle, Arizona. Colt McCoy, something about Seattle that he just has a huge day. Threw for 300-plus, two scores. James Conner was still able to find the end zone with a rushing touchdown. 92. At least will be on their way to having a winning season. Seahawks 3-7. Russell Wilson, no interceptions, but nothing too grand, and the run game just eh. definitely a lot of question marks as they'll uh, as they get closer to finishing the season, their first bad year in probably 12 years or so that's the last time they were truly bad last time they had a losing season was uh, 2011 with a 7-9 and record Definitely keep your eye on the AFC, and uh, yeah, keep an eye, keep an eye on who could sneak in as a wild card favorite. 
both sides really. So, yeah, just gets more interesting every day. MLB with its awards. Definitely some good stuff here. Let's take a look. The most valuable player, Bryce Harper for the National League and the uh, American League was Shohei Otani. I kind of thought Vlad Guerrero would have been the favorite to win it all, but I kind of forget about the whole uh, two-way thing for Otani. I mean, 46 home runs, that's pretty good. Some good stolen bases, 100 RBIs, 156 uh, strikeouts uh, as a pitcher. 257 average, though. Then again, there's probably MVPs for years that for players have done worse. Harper, 309, 35 home runs, uh, 84 RBIs. That's not that's not fantastic, but the OPS, I guess, I don't know, on plate something, I don't know, 179. Robbie Ray, uh, the Cy Young Award winner for the American League. 248 strikeouts, 2.84 ERA, nearly 200 innings pitched. First guy for the Blue Jays since uh, Roy Halladay back in 03. There's uh, yeah, Corbin Burns, I think his name is. Uh, 2.43 uh, ERA. Pretty good strikeout rate uh, and strikeout to walk ratio, according to MLB.com. Rookie of the year, Randy Rosarena. Definitely the rookie of the year for Tampa. 274 average. That's that's actually not too bad. 20, 20 plus home runs, 20 stolen bases, 20, 20 plus stolen bases. Pretty good stuff here. Tampa will definitely try to find a way to get him. Keep keep him on the uh, keep him on the roster. Uh, Jonathan India, Cincinnati Reds, seventy plus walks, ninety eight runs scored, pretty good OPS of eight thirty five. Pretty good stuff. I mean, I have to look at their full stats, but. Definitely some good stuff for for the Reds. They were in the hunt for for a short bit of time. Manager of the year, uh, American League, Kevin Cash, Tampa, and uh, Gabe Kapler for San Francisco. The way they played this year, yeah, definitely deserving of it. So. This is the glove stuff, gold gloves. Sean Murphy, Yuli Gurriel, Marcus Semyon, Matt Chapman, Carlos Correa, Andrew Benintendi, Michael Taylor, Joey Gallo, and Dallas Keuchel for the American League. Platinum glove was Correa. National League, Jacob Starlings, Paul Goldschmidt, Tommy Edmond, Nolan Arenado, Brandon Crawford, Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, Adam Duvall, and Max Fried. Uh, teams... For both sides. Uh, American League Gold Glove winner Astros. And 
St. Louis Cardinals for the team altogether. Platinum Glove for the National League, Nolan Arenado. Silver Sluggers, Salvador Perez, Vladimir Guerrero, Marcus Simeon, Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, Giascaro Hernandez, Aaron Judge, Cedric Mullins, and Shohei Otani. National League, Buster Posey, Freddie Freeman, Ozzy Albies, Austin Riley, Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, Bryce Hopper, Nick Castellanos, and Max Freed. So, Hank Aaron Award, Vlad Guerrero, definitely a huge game altogether. Very good slugging and on-base percentage. 123 runs scored, 363 total bases. Harper got the uh, Hank Aaron Award as well. 42 doubles led the American League. Roberto Clemente Award, uh, Nelson Cruz. So just for a quick recap on the uh, MVPs for the postseason. ALCS MVP was Jordan Alvarez. Huge, huge series for him. Eddie Rosario for the NLCS. That guy had an unbelievable uh, uh, NLCS. Very unbelievable. A World Series MVP, Jorge Soler. Pretty good numbers. 300, 300 runs, 6 RBIs, 4 runs. Comeback players of the years. Trey Mancini. The whole colon cancer thing. Definitely deserving of that. He definitely had a good year. And Buster Posey. I'm not sure if he's deserving of it or not, but he definitely ended his career on a pretty good note as far as the regular season goes. Relievers of the year, uh, Liam Hendricks and uh, Josh Hader. Hendricks with Chicago White Sox and Hader with uh, Milwaukee. Pretty good numbers, a Hader guy with uh, 1.23 ERA and 2.54 ERA for Hendricks, 38 saves, 34. Players' Choice Awards, probably many other stuff. Player of the Year, the players chose Otani. He was such a huge hit for uh, for baseball. Such a huge hit. So, obviously, definitely the media will hype uh, Otani up for 2022. You just have to hope that the Angels realize what they have and that they... Try and find ways to win games. They need to win to showcase how great their talent could be. If not, it's going to feel like a huge waste of money. (sighs) And nothing, anything too major out of the uh, NBA. The only big thing was uh, an elbowing between LeBron James and Isaiah Stewart. Both both guys getting suspended. It's it's just weird that he gets one game, James. You think, think something like elbowing that badly results in uh, one game. Wouldn't that be like a two-game suspension or something? But yeah, trying to instigate stuff, both, t- both guys... Yeah, definitely need to be uh, sus- suspended, both of them. 
honestly, it's it, it, it's it's very interesting looking at looking at uh, the NBA and their standings. It's just it's it's so strange to look at this stuff. Seriously, now the now that the Brooklyn Nets are thirteen and five, uh, first place in the division, not a not a clear sight on who who is deserving. Seriously, within the first, within the one through eight, it's three, three games behind. You know, anywhere from a game or three games behind the Nets, uh, and even nine through eleven, three and a half, uh, four and four for the Knicks, the Cavaliers, and the Hawks. And even five games in five and a half, uh, Toronto and Indiana. It's it's anyone's division for the it's it's anyone's uh, chance to be in the postseason. And the worst teams are Detroit and Orlando, both with only four wins, uh, twelve losses for Detroit and fourteen for the Magic. Well, so it's a lot easier to gauge the. Uh, Western Conference because the Warriors are just playing unbelievable basketball and followed by the Phoenix Suns. Suns a game behind them. Utah, the next closest with four games and yeah, the between one and eight, six game uh behind the Memphis Grizzlies, Portland Trailblazers and Denver Nuggets. Lakers, if I mean play in tournament place. <laughs> Minnesota's actually not doing too bad. Uh, just It's just strange seeing where they are at times. Of course, the worst team is the Houston Rockets, 1-16. I don't think I've seen a team go downward this quickly. I mean, I'm sure they'll get seven wins for the year. They'll get more than that. Because that's what the uh, Charlotte Bobcats were in 2011, that strike year. Seven wins, I believe it was 59 losses. Actually, I wonder if anyone's ever lost uh, 70 games in a season. I think that'd be interesting to check, but it'd be hugely embarrassing for the league. (laughs) Yeah, that should uh, wrap up this episode of Geeks and Jocks. Yeah, inching our way towards the uh, holiday season. As before, as I mentioned, the podcast is on Anchor.fm. You can also find us on Spotify, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, and Breaker. So head on down to those places, search for Geeks and Jocks. Plenty of content and tons of it awaits you. So that episode 91 in the books. This is Ryan Sullivan. Hope to hear your listeners on the next podcast. Stay safe, stay protected, take care of yourself, take care of everyone.